Welcome in to another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick, who joins me over the phone again today as he was for our emergency podcast. If you want our reactions to the Ryan Tannehill signing, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Ryan Tannehill trade, you can find that on our feed, which you're listening to right here, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our reaction to the Ryan Tannehill trade to the Titans. And now, Ethan, we were being asked uh, to do an emergency podcast for the signing that the Dolphins have made today. And I feel like uh, the signing requires a normal level of urgency, not emergency <laughs> level of urgency. Uh, so, Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Dolphins, your thoughts? Well, I, this is one of the guys we called, right? I can't remember. Uh, there have been so many. I, I know that, you know, CK uh, on the pod with me kind of called Josh McCown. Um, I don't feel like there's a ton of difference here. And I, I do know we had Benjamin Albright on right before the Super Bowl, and Fitzpatrick was his choice. And uh, here we are what is it, like six weeks later, and that's who it is, and he's one of the names that I've been mentioning a lot. I think we got, you know, a little, you know, held up because of the Tyrod Taylor thing, the Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater thing, but I've said this on a previous podcast. I thought that Fitzpatrick might make sense for them because he, he sort of checks all the boxes, right? So you don't want to go into the season with uh, Jake Rudock or David Fales or you know, uh, David Falk or Luke Falk or whatever it is his name is, uh, Marshall Falk, <laughs> Uh, you, you don't want to go into you, you don't want to go into the season, uh, Peter Falk. You don't want to go into the season with with one of those guys because I mean, God, how are you going to sell that? I mean, yeah. this is not easy, okay? But how are you going to sell that? I mean, you're going in with a guy who's never won an NFL game, uh, you know, in, in any of those three choices. And so Fitzpatrick made sense because it, it gives you sort of the veneer of you know trying, right? Because I mean, he has won 57 NFL games. He's lost 83, by the way. He's won 57. Um, and, and so it gives you that, but at the same time, you know, that he's going to get worse as the season goes on and therefore is going to lose you enough games. So you get your next quarterback and, and that's kind of the deal. Now they'll, they'll shape it another way. I mean, they'll, they'll portray it as here's the Harvard guy. I know he looks like Conor McGregor, but he's a Harvard guy, uh, who they'll put in the quarterback room and he will be good for the other quarterbacks that whoever it is that they're developing, whether it's they're developing somebody into a backup this year down the road or whether or not they're drafting somebody that they have someone in there who has some level of competence, understands how to play the position and can pass that on. And I'm sure they discussed that with him. So, so that's, uh, to me, it, it makes sense. It, it sort of checks all the marks. And I saw Dave Hyde's column tonight. He said the same thing. It's, it's basically, we're pretending to try. Um, and so, you know, you look at Fitzpatrick, and we're gonna get, we're gonna dive deeper into this a little bit. But I do like when um, sort of my uh, perception of things matches the numbers. Um, sure. And so, the one thing that I've said repeatedly with Fitzpatrick, if you look through the situation before he got paid with Buffalo, uh, with the Jets, and then also with the Bucks, that he starts seasons hot and then falls apart. Okay, so I just looked at the numbers. Uh, in September, his career record is sixteen and eleven. He has an 87.5 passer rating, a, a sort of decent 50 to 37 touchdown interception ratio. Okay. In October, he's 10 and 22. Uh, the rating goes to 82.9. In November, he's 12 and 27. The rating goes to 83.2. And in December, his record's okay at 17 and 21, but his rating crashes to 72.8. Okay. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of passer rating, but it's, it's what we have, right? So, so basically what this indicates is that he starts seasons pretty hot. He's chucking the ball all over the place. 
and other teams kind of figure him out. I mean, if you look at his career December, his 38 games in December, he has an average yards for attempt of 5.4. I mean, that, that's anemic. Um, with a ton of sacks and a ton of picks. I mean, 40 interceptions in 1,084 attempts. Um, that's a lot. Uh, and so you know what you're getting. Like with the other young quarterbacks, the rest of you have no idea what you're getting. But with the, this guy, you know what you're getting. And, and so I don't know if he'll even survive to with this behind this offensive line, if he'll survive to November. Uh, but if he does, he probably won't be very good in it. So the thing to, that, that has sort of been asked now in the aftermath of, of the Fitzpatrick signing is, yes, obviously it is respectable, but is it bad enough? Uh, again, it depends, it depends on how bad you want this to be, uh, but his career winning percentage is that of roughly a six-win quarterback, um, which I don't think is ideal in terms of being in the top five. And then last year, uh, you look at when he takes over uh, for, you know, at, in, in that uh, New Orleans game for the suspended Jameis Winston. You remember he came here in the preseason and absolutely lit up Miami. Um, but he, So he starts in the first few games in for Jameis Winston, and in his first four starts there are three 400 yard games and three games of three a game of three touchdown and two games of four touchdowns and then later on in the year as uh, Tampa Bay has you know a carousel of quarterbacks bring brings back Fitzpatrick and he throws for 400 yards against Washington albeit in a 16 to 3 loss so you go back and look in that opening week game which is kind of the shock result of the season when you look back on it Ryan Fitzpatrick 21 of 28 417 yards and four touchdowns uh, and then uh, I will say though there is one key difference and that is that in that game Mike Evans had six catches or seven catches for 147 yards and Deshaun Jackson had five catches for 146 yards and no one in this Dolphins receiving core is that prolific but if the goal is to really be bad and look Adam Schefter treated, uh, tweeted straight after the signing that you know the Dolphins signed Ryan Fitzpatrick for 2019 with an eye on Tua Tungavailoa in 2020 and, and and throughout the process it has been pretty clear that Adam Schefter knows the Dolphins thinking about what they want to do but is this player bad enough? Even understanding that he has thrown a lot of interception in his career, he's a bit crazy with the football, he's 36 years old and is nothing more than a career journeyman, he still wins, uh, he's still roughly a six-win quarterback in the NFL, and that might be too good, particularly with the season he just came off of, in which he was pretty prolific from a statistical point of view. This is such a ridiculous conversation. <laughs> I, I just, I, it's just it's such a, I mean, I mean, even with the Marlins, like we have, and, uh, you know, you and I, you know, talking to Mike Hill, we're, I think we both we both sort of came away with what the plan is with the Marlins. I, I still don't really totally understand it with with the Dolphins. Maybe we'll have Chris Greer on that would that would be helpful in terms of explaining it. But I I, I just it's such a ridiculous conversation. It's what CK and I talked about. I know you and I have, have sort of bandied this about on several podcasts. But I, I just don't think that can be the mindset. Like I, the way CK frames it is okay. Everything is about 2020 and 2021. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you're going out to sa- – I mean, this is not Major League the movie. Like, is it? <laughs> like, I mean, right? I mean, I, I mean, I mean are, are we going to be taking – do we even have, like, a placard, like a, a standing placard of Steve Ross in the locker room and you're going to be taking off a piece of his clothing every time you lose? Like, what? what, what is this, okay? Well, there's no Willie Mays Hayes, right? I mean, I, I don't – maybe there is. Maybe – I don't know. Maybe that's Kenny Stills. Who knows? But I, I just – I don't – I don't think you can look at it like, is he bad enough? I, I think this is, everything is about papering this thing over until you get to the time you can really take your quarterback. Because let's be honest, they f***ed up, okay? They f***ed up. I mean, they, 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 they planned 
they were bad in the wrong year. Okay, they they tried to patch. I mean, I don't want to re- rehash everything. Okay, but they're in a position now where they have to at least make it look like they're trying. I don't know what they sell. Like I was thinking about this as I was watching the Heat today. Okay, and they had a good win against Charlotte, which I'm sure we'll get into the Heat more later in the week. But I'm thinking like the best development for the Heat over the past week to you know three weeks has been like Justice Winslow's emergence. Like I can feel like they can sell something this off season. Like right, like that. You know, I mean, because they, they've been pushing Dwayne on 95% of their marketing. And I'm like, okay, at least now, like, between Justice and Josh and Bam, like, they have something to sell. I, I don't know what the Dolphins have to sell. I mean, what, Xavier and Howard and Laramie Tunsil, two players they may or may not extend? Like, what, what are they selling? Yeah. So, I, so it's just, you know, a new coaching staff, okay. But nobody knew who Brian Flores was. But, but, but does Ryan Fitzpa- hired- is Ryan Fitzpatrick that thing that you're selling? Like, no, I, I, don't, no, I don't know no, if it gets I, people I, to the building. No, but- no, no, but it, it, it's it's like the illusion. Okay, he's not Tannehill. I, I, want, I want to check out um, – uh, hold on. Before we move on, I, I put up a poll. I'm really curious about this. I, I, I put up a lot of polls on Five Reasons Sports, as you know, and we'll do a lot more of that with the website. We have fivereasonsports.com. But I put up a lot of polls, and, and I know you don't love unscientific polls, but I think it gives you some idea, okay? And a lot of my polls end up 50-50. I put this one up four hours ago, right before I left the heat game. Better right now. Tannehill Fitzpatrick. Guess what it is? <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> Guess what it is? Better right now. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, 5842. Oh, 50-50. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just even the idea that it's that close. And look, I mean, as, mu- as much as you can make fun of that, I mean, Ryan Tannehill had four games. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had four games that a year ago that we've kind of wanted Ryan Tannehill, just like crazy statistical output and your team scores 48 points. Like that game that they that Tampa Bay had in New Orleans a year ago, I mean, that's a dream for the Miami Dolphins. 48 points and you beat the Saints on the road with your quarterback throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns? Like, I'm pretty sure if Ryan Fitzpatrick were 24 and a free agent and that and, and he just had that game, but like we would be crazy excited about that and the idea that it could, a Dolphins quarterback could do that. And look, maybe he'll have a couple of those and those will be fun games. But again, with, with the broader context of you know losing is winning for this year I I think there is a little bit of of this season that feels like major league and certainly there's at least a segment of the fan base that would sort of at least take that on board and understand that so I I do kind of wonder if he's too good I will say though in in a transition year um, and we're looking at all these transition quarterbacks you know Bridgewater and and Taylor and 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 a few more of these guys um, this is the most fun option just because Ryan Fitzpatrick is so crazy up and down, but you will have the ups that make it fun. But are those ups something that you want? Well, yeah, look, he is. A, it's funny because he's a crazy option. He's a Harvard guy. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but look, he, he and Tannehill are, are polar opposites. I mean, they're, I mean, Ryan, you know, one Ryan takes no chances, um, very few, and the other takes all the chances. I mean, they're, they're complete polar opposites. I mean, like you said, the people who wanted – bombs away are, are going to get that now uh but i what i keep coming back to is you keep saying this thing and i just don't think it's going to play out which is the dolphin fans would get on board with that yes the, a few fans on twitter who are big picture but uh, you know most of them are not i mean dolphin fans who are not following who are casual dolphin fans who are not following the day-to-day moves they're just going to go to the stadium in september and be like what the bleep is this okay i, I mean they're not you and I, I think, get caught in this bubble because, I mean, we do this. So we think that everybody's paying close attention to, you know, why the Dolphins are doing what they're doing. But 
they're just going to show up to to a game to drink beer okay, and eat overpriced hot dogs. And they're going to look around and be like, what is this garbage? Um, and so, I mean, I think that's something that the Dolphins have taken into consideration. And that's why you at least had to throw out a quarterback that like somebody's heard of. Like, like yeah. I, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't throw because it, it's different. Like a couple of years ago, like look at Denver. Okay. So Denver drafts Paxton Lynch and they draft Trevor Simeon. And Simeon beats out Paxton Lynch, even though he was drafted a lot lower. But at least, like, you could sell that to Broncos fans. Because, look, we drafted two guys, okay? And, and this guy, Simeon, was pretty damn good in camp. And so we gave him the job, okay? But you can't, how are you going to pitch, I mean, Falk and Rudock and Fails to Dolphin fans? Like, they didn't draft any of them. I mean, Falk was drafted and dumped, okay, after a year. And, and then, you know, and then this team took it over, but the guy, you know, the guy apparently liked him was Gase, who's not even here. So I, I, I don't, so you had to bring in somebody, I mean, again, you have to pretend for your casuals, you have to pretend you're trying. You can't, because uh, there's a very small segment of the fan base that understands the way that the NFL or NBA or MLB works and, and kind of, you know, what you're trying to do. I mean, look, Mike Hill sold us, I think, on his vision, right? But that doesn't mean people are flocking to the ballpark this year. Like, we, we can post that Mike Hill podcast every day and sort of under, explain the type of athletes that they're looking for, the type of velocity they're looking for from their pitchers, what the plan is. But that ain't going to make somebody decide to leave Doral at 6.30 from work and go down to the stadium. I mean, it's just not. But, uh, but does that, I, I guess, I guess my question is, does that matter? I mean, like, because the, the Marlins are ultimately I – mean, I, I, mean, I mean, the Marlins are ultimately they're, – they're, they're tanking, right? But – they're going to have 8,000 fans. They're going to have 8,000 fans at their ballpark, but they're doing it for the eventuality that maybe they will have more than 8,000 fans at their ballpark because they built a really good team and are winning a championship. And if I'm telling you, and if I'm telling your fans, okay, maybe you're not going to show up on a Sunday, you're going to stop watching on a Sunday. But if in the following draft, like fans get excited about the NFL draft. And if I'm telling you that the Dolphins have the number one pick and are drafting one of the best college prospects we've seen for a long time, I imagine the fans will be on board with that. So it doesn't have to be, I mean, fans didn't show up for the process in Philadelphia you know in their droves but when they have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and they're in the playoffs everyone's there and everyone's fired up and and have almost built up this sort of pent-up energy of well this is sort of the fruition of a plan coming together and that is always is, is always kind of my thought about this is that if it's a plan and it comes together and it works then I, I I do think that the fans will eventually be on board because it will be successful but what is the plan like I, like the plan what, is to lose <laughs> Well, okay, but, but, but okay, the Marlins, first thing, you use the word tanking for Marlins. I, I don't think that's what the Marlins are doing. I, I, think, I, I think it's different in baseball. Like, I think, I think what they did by trading five core, you know, lineup pieces uh, could be perceived that way. But again, they were rebuilding their farm system, okay, which it, immediately, not waiting on picks, okay, which you have to do in the NFL and, and NBA. They were getting, you know, stuff back, okay, to replenish their system. They're not there yet, but it's better than it was. I don't think they're tanking. I, th- I also think it's a different situation. I mean, Marlins fans, like, the Marlins could literally disappear like the Panthers could. I hate to say this, and no one would know, like, except Craig Mish and Steve Goldstein. Like, no one would know. Like, okay? Yeah. Okay? Like, but, but, but people, with the Dolphins, like, they have a lot of casuals. Like, that's what the Panthers and Marlins don't have, right? Like, the Panthers and Marlins have hardcore fans. They exist. They're on Twitter. They're complaining about how much we cover or don't cover. Marlins fans need to stop complaining. We're covering the team more than anybody else in spades. Okay, ten times, tenfold. Who are these okay? people? I, I would like to meet I, them. I, I get some of that garbage, and I'm like, okay. uh, excuse me, are, are, you, are you listening <laughs> to terrestrial radio? Are they talking about your team? Is that anything yeah. good? Okay, like we have, almost we have at all. Cover you. Okay, 
but but so look, so the Marlins and the Panthers, they don't have casuals. They don't have casuals like there's that. But but Dolphin fans like have casual fans. A lot of them, okay, who say they're Dolphin fans but know nothing about the team. Like I run into these people all the time. Okay, they they're they're all over the place. There are thousands and thousands of them. The Heat have them now too, by the way. Okay, they didn't for years, but now they do after the Big Three. But the Dolphins have them, and so those casuals like. I just don't know how you're going to sell them on trying to lose. Like, we live in South Florida. We don't live in Cleveland. But, but, like, what, but, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you don't have to. You don't have to. Okay, so your stadium is half empty for the year. As by the way, Cleveland's was half empty as they're going 0 and 16. But if you ask a Cleveland, obviously, you would prefer that it was 1 and 15, right, rather than 0 and 16. But if you go <laughs> 1, and, if you go 1 and 15, and you still have Baker Mayfield, so basically a year on from going 0 and 16, they have Baker Mayfield, a quarterback they feel great about, and they just traded oh. for Odell Beckham, and they're throwing money around like crazy. Crazy and building together yeah. a really good team a year and a half later. Like I don't think any fans that went through that are not obviously it, they didn't enjoy it, but I, I don't think that means that you're you know forever staying away from the Browns or from the Dolphins or whoever. The bandwagons have jumped back on in Cleveland, yes. Okay, but I was up there before the process occurred. Okay, 15, 14, 15, Right, I think they hired Sashi Brown in fifteen. Uh, and, and, and we talked about this many times. That, that, you know, guys like Hinky and Sashi Brown don't get to see it through. I don't know if Mike Hill or Chris Greer is going to get to see it through, okay? Because a lot of times you don't get a chance to see it through. But look, the Browns have a hardcore fan base, okay? A lot of them did stay away, all right? I mean, the Browns are number one in Cleveland. It's not close. I mean, now LeBron's gone. Really not close. But it wasn't close even when he was there. I mean, more people identify as Browns fans than Cavs fans. It's the number one. That and Ohio State. Are the right. Two top okay? And so, but yeah, a lot of those people disappeared. And now, yes, they're going to be bandwagoners. I mean, you're going to have casuals. Everybody's going to come back because you have a really good roster. But I, what I'm saying is for the – and look, the, the Browns have been kind of similar, maybe even worse than the Dolphins over the past 20 years. I mean, they're like the only team in the league that's had more quarterbacks. But but this idea, again, I, I think you and I have to get out of the bubble and, and think like, yes, if we're at Sloan Conference, okay, and we're looking at our spreadsheets, and I'm not that far behind you on this stuff, okay, but you and I can, can look at it and say this is the practical thing to do for the Dolphins. This is a practical thing to do, like being 6-10 and 10 and signing – you know, between six and ten and eight and eight, and signing Jake Cutler's to ten million dollars to save your season does not make any freaking sense anymore. Okay, and and I, I'm I'm with you on that, but I'm just telling you, ninety percent of Dolphin fans are not like you and me. They're not. They're, it's just something they do on a Sunday. Yeah. And they, they don't want their team to suck, and and so I, I do think that throwing Fitzpatrick out there, we know it's just you know, I mean it, it's it's dressing. Okay, I mean it's just it's it makes you look somewhat competent. And here's the other thing. If a Luke Falk, let's say that a Luke Falk or one of these guys, okay, somebody they draft in the fourth round, if a Luke Falk looks better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in camp, at least there's a measuring stick, right? Because we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is, okay? So if you go into camp, I mean, I'm expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to beat all these guys out easily because he's competent, okay? He's not good, but he's, he's competent enough, okay? He knows how to play the position. Better probably than Tannehill does, actually, by the way, because um, I, I never felt Tannehill really learned the position. I mean, I think Tannehill had some skills that were useful, but I don't think he ever really learned how to fully play the position. So, so you know, and Fitzpatrick has been a quarterback all his life. I mean, I've, I've talked to him a bunch, actually. I've, I've done, you know, some stories that he was involved in. He was out at a, t- a tournament in Lake Tahoe where a bunch of prominent guys were. I interviewed him for a book that I was going to write that I never ultimately wrote. I mean, I, I like him, okay? I like him, and I, I think he has – 
Um, you know, I, I, I think, like you said, he's capable of a 400-yard game that Ryan Tannehill is not. The only, the only big number game from this past year was, was Brock Osweiler against Chicago yeah. at home. He has a great defense. So, so look, I, I, I think that Ryan is, you know, Fitzpatrick is good enough that you'll be able to measure the young guys against him, okay? And so maybe you see if one of these young guys can be your future backup, right? I don't think any of them is a Kirk Cousins, okay, or somebody like that is going to kind of merge out of nowhere. But can he be sort of a Brian Hoyer, okay? Can one of these guys be a Brian Hoyer? That kind of player, okay? So it's fine in that regard. But this fear that you have of a guy being too good I mean, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is too good, he'll get hurt because they'll, they'll <laughs> let him get hurt. Okay, I mean, I mean, they're perfectly capable of it. They have one offensive lineman. Okay, I, I, I mean, what you know, right? I mean, yeah, they let Jawad James go. Josh Sitton's gone. Uh, Kilgore wasn't very good last year. I guess he's still on the roster. The sit move, by the way, in talking to CK and Alfredo about this, they don't understand that one. There was no benefit to cutting him. So I, I don't. So maybe you're right. Uh, maybe for me, got- for me, it, it, that one is just an old player, and we want to put a younger player because we want that younger player to grow. That would be the only reason why you make that move. Is that yeah, sitting okay. is old? I, 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 I can see that. You can also let him beat him out of camp. I mean, um, I mean, because there was no real cap value to it. Like, I mean, go back to you know, Jimmy Johnson like comes in with the Dolphins. One of his first signings is Jack Del Rio. Okay, and he's going to be the middle of his defense. And then there was this fifth round draft pick that nobody expected anything from, and Zach Thomas, and he kicked his ass in camp. And JJ cut, you know, <laughs> cut Jack Del Rio. Um, so I mean, you can do it in camp, like I, you know. And again, I I don't think there's a net. Like I'm okay with letting Gore and Amendola go, go, but I don't think there's a negative to having competent veterans in camp that you if you can release them without cap costs, right? Because it gives these younger players a bar to, to know what, what it is that they're going up against. So I, I guess, look, this did not deserve, I guess the whole point of this is there's nothing with the dolphins that deserves an emergency podcast the rest of the way. Honestly. <laughs> like, okay, we're do we're doing this because we needed a topic and, and we're thankful that they, they hired a quarterback or that they hired, they, that they brought in a quarterback. But, but I mean, the only thing that would require an emergency podcast is if they decide to trade Xavier Howard. Now. Uh, I, but which I don't think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's just it is what it is. They will try. I don't know what they're going to sell though. I, that's that, that's my question. Every team needs something to sell to their casuals because the hardcore fans don't drive the money for teams. They don't. It's the people. It, it, the, the, the team. The people that have season tickets. Yes, you need a certain base. There's no question about that. I'm sure the Dolphins' base has receded considerably, but you, you need the people who are going to decide to buy the three single game tickets. And they're going to buy, like I said, the hot dogs and the beer and and the candy and all the rest of that. Oh, and crap. really, and, and more importantly, I would say the sweets, right? I mean, you you, you need you need, right. you need corporations to buy in, and like I don't know if a corporation's going to sit around going, uh, I don't know if I'm going to you know spend my eighty thousand dollars on my suite this year. Uh, so you know to 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 go and watch a bad team, and and I think the the people who make those decisions are far more far more likely to be the kind of casuals we're talking about than the super fans and the super dorks like us that are analyzing this. I do want I, I do want to hit on a couple more questions here very quickly mm-hmm. before before we. Uh, 
move on to an interview that we'll bring to you uh, about su- the Super Bowl 54 uh, coming to Miami and some of the details of what's going to be happening down here in South Florida. Uh, so I guess my first question is, what do you make continually uh, of the fact that Adam Schefter has these reports about uh, about what the Dolphins are going to do and the fact that the Dolphins uh, are, are still eyeing to a tongue of Iloa in 2020 as, as he frames his own breaking of news of this signing? Because I, I, I continue to be amazed that the Dolphins, in the, it, with via his tweets and via his reporting, are that kind of nakedly telling you what they want to do? Uh, no, I, I buy it because Steve Ross can't can't keep quiet. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. I mean, I, I you know he he Ross has typically done it to one of the locals, but he seems to be doing it to Schefter now. And you know, I, I don't think the Dolphins have ever been particularly good about hiding where stuff's coming from. The Heat's very good at it, very good at it. Okay, like you don't know where it's coming from typically. I mean, there's a there's a couple of, of people that tend to get stuff, and and then I can kind of identify it. But but the Dolphins have always been kind of very obvious about it. Like, and I'm talking about like the last fifteen twenty years. Like, so you know, a lot of it coincides with a certain owner taking over too. I, I just it, it, you know, so I, I think that I think that Ross. I, we've talked about why I don't really totally get it. I think he's sort of trying to set expectations low, I guess, uh, and. You know, so he doesn't put pressure on the organization or his coaching staff, but he's well, also what if the this guy- is just actually what he wants to do? Right, but 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 it is counterproductive if you're trying to bring fans in. Like, uh, don't they have to pretend a little? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. I keep coming back to the same point, but like, how are they going to get people to buy tickets? Like, what is, what is, what are they selling? Like, I guess the players that they draft, perhaps. I mean, but if they draft correctly, this is the problem. If they draft correctly, they really should be drafting the trenches this year, right? Sure. Like, that's what they need. They have one offensive lineman. They they just let their best pass rusher for the last ten years walk. Okay, like they they need to build the two lines. Like they don't have they don't have an elite interior defensive lineman. Uh, they don't have a defensive lineman of note. Period. Right. I mean, do they? Like, I mean, no. I mean, uh, no. I, I I you know right. from a defensive line standpoint, they're as barren as it gets. Okay, and the offensive line, like they have they have one player on their two lines. I mean, I, I like um, I like Vincent Taylor, okay, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's going to be elite, but I think he's a good player. But like, I mean, really, I mean, you're talking about you know five offensive linemen plus you need you know at least one competent swing player, 
if you're talking six, and you're talking you need five or six defensive linemen in the modern NFL. You're talking like a dozen players. They've got one, maybe two. I mean, so that's what they have to draft. They have to draft the trenches. How are they going to sell that to fans? I, I have no idea. I will say, though, I'm not worried about their attendance in 2019 uh, because I just looked at their opponents. They're only going to have a hard time, in my opinion, selling tickets to two games, uh, home with Cincinnati and home with the Los Angeles Chargers because those are not traveling fan bases. But Buffalo, right. there's a crap load of Buffalo fans, New England, and the Jets. Those are obvious, right? Here's the rest of their home schedule this year. Baltimore. Buffalo, Buffalo game was empty this year, by the way. Yeah, I mean, but I, 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 well, I mean, B- Buffalo is a bit dire. You wonder if Josh Allen, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll like, it'll get better and more fans will come. Uh, it might be earlier in the year and more fans will come. Uh, but, uh, but Buffalo, I mean, just in general, travel well because of the changing climate. But then he, here's the rest of the home schedule: uh, home with Baltimore. I mean, there will be a shed load of Ravens fans there. Um, Washington. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. You, you don't see the enthusiasm at home, but Washington are kind of is is one of the national teams that I feel like would draw a fan base here to the stadium. It's too bad that they don't play the Giants at home because they're playing uh, the yeah. NFC East, but they do have Philadelphia at home, and there will be a ton of Eagles yeah, they, fans uh, there at that they, game. So I mean, really, it, it, I almost wonder if it's like the Florida Panthers December twenty eighth <laughs> against the Montreal Canadiens game situation where they're selling to opposing fans. Right, right. Well, the Dolphins have done that. Ross did that. He did that for Gator Day when the yeah. Broncos were down with Tebow. Uh, yeah, that's always great with the Panthers. It's like, come see us. Well, actually, no, don't come see us. Come see the Rangers and, and the Canadians and, and the Maple Leafs and the Bruins and the Flyers. Like, come see them. Don't, don't come see us. Uh, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of where we are. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's very, um, I think it's very possible that they could have some seats already sold too. I think you know these, all these teams. I don't know what the Dolphins specifically. I know what the Heat tend to do. You kind of get trapped into the tickets uh, for a couple of years. And so, yeah, maybe it won't. It's going to look bad on TV. Maybe some of them will be sold. I don't know which Ross cares about, whether they're actual, where people are paying, where they're actually in the seats. But it, it's going to look bad on television. But I'm just trying to figure it out. I, I think before, well, next time we do a Dolphins pod, we need to identify what it is this team is selling. Mm-hmm. Right now, it, they're, they're selling, you know, a 19-year-old who has not even decided – at this point, when he's coming out. Like, it is going to be the most Dolphin thing ever. And Alfredo said this on Three Arts this week. When they get the number one overall pick and two his parents decide they want him to get his degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I was very scared listening to that portion of their emergency pod. I was like, holy crap, he might not come out. This is, this is, terif- this is terrifying. Right. I, I, it's very doable. It's very possible. I mean, it sounds like his priorities are not where Dolphin fans' priorities if, are. If, I, if I'm Steven Ross and I can legally do so i am making many phone calls to as many people close to Tua Tungavailo as possible saying no matter when you come out no, no matter for how long you're with our team i'm making you a promise i will pay up to your doctorate if you want there is no amount of education i will not provide for you totally free every amount of education you can go to as many schools you want you can go to cambridge if you like there is no number of schools that i will not pay for once you're done right. playing football. <laughs> and then you know what he'll do? He'll make that deal and then two will blow out his knee the next day. <laughs> I, I just, stop I, it. I mean, stop, stop making this like a, a, a negative scenario. It'd be great. Well, the, the stadium was built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> That's true. Like, that is true. Yeah. All right, so uh, a, a, few, a few more rapid-fire ones. Number one, yeah. if, rapid, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts opening day and he plays even a, 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 a sort of decent number of games, will we have fun watching Dolphins football next year? Not in totality, but there will be moments. Yeah. There will be moments. 
Okay. Uh, do you think that this signing even means that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the opening day starter? You mentioned uh, yeah. sorry, that, that you yeah. anticipate that he'll beat out the competition. I still think the Dolphins are drafting quarterback in the first four rounds, um, and I think that quarterback is the most likely quarterback to be the starter, uh, even with uh, the, even with this signing, in my opinion. I, I don't think so. I think Fitzpatrick. I think Fitzpatrick is just good enough that he will be the starter for the opener. I do. So okay. I, 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 I think someone else could relieve him at some point. Absolutely. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to look a lot better. He knows how to play the position. He's going to look a lot better uh, in those uh, in training camp than than anybody else that they bring in. Unless again, it's <coughs> excuse me. Um, unless again, it's a Kyler Murray or somebody like that that they're not going to get. And here, here's my last question for you. And we were talking about this today, particularly even in a racial context. Uh, is it offensive to you that this is now Ryan Fitzpatrick's? eighth team that he will be starting for he will have started for once he makes a start for the Dolphins he will have start for a quarter of the teams in the NFL and why is it that a quarterback now entering his age 37 season who started 126 games and won about 40 percent of them has a few more touchdowns and interceptions and is generally not a very good player why does he keep getting chances why does the why did the, the, the career survive when particularly you compare it from a racial point of view uh, mm-hmm. to, to black you know journeyman quarterbacks who don't get nearly the same number of chances well i i'm stealing this for a tweet um actually because i, I want to what is what is kaepernick uh hold on I, I gotta check what his uh his career record is because he, he played for one team right one yep team. Mm-hmm. one team um let, 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 let's take a his look. career hold record on. is 28 and 30 mostly mostly most of that damage came coming in his last two seasons uh when he was three and 16 so he's gotten to start for one He's twenty eight and thirty. Thank you. You just got me a thousand likes. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Either way, I mean, why does Fitzpatrick have eight chances and you know Colin Kaepernick has one? I mean, there are a few others like Josh Freeman had to go with the Dolphins, and you know Josh Johnson got to start a game for Washington last year when who the, yeah, what but, the yeah, hell is Josh, Josh, you know Johnson? Josh Johnson? You know what Josh Johnson has become? And I always confuse him with the Marlins pitcher. Um, but the the Marlins pitcher, Josh Johnson has become the the guy that teams sign. So they don't have to sign Kaepernick, and so they can say they brought in a black quarterback. <laughs> so they, so they bring in this guy who's horrible. Okay, he's like yeah. he's the black Nathan Peterman. All right, they bring him in so they can say they brought in a black quarterback. Yeah, that's what. Right, and, yeah. and and that that that's kind of like the the, the counterfactual. And, you know, Tyrod gets another chance, and Bridgewater mm-hmm. will get another chance. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I do I do kind of wonder like how does Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick get to exist? Uh, but either way, uh, they they do, and now Fitzpatrick will probably end up starting for his eighth NFL team. All right, that'll just about do it uh, for covering uh, this portion of it. We still have a lot more business to get to uh, with the Dolphins. We we'll kind of have a full off season roundup, uh, maybe after the draft and kind of all the signings, all the ins and outs that happened with the team. No more right. emergencies. There are no more emergencies. No, no, the there. emergencies are done. Can we can we have a, a quick sixty second uh, question? What is the next emergency five reasons podcast for? Beckham moves to Palm Beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Beckham, I got Beckham is now in Tampa. That, that goes in Tampa. Yeah, good sell up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be really... playing in my house pretty soon. Yeah. I, I, well, I they're playing well north of your house, I can tell you that. I know that. I know that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going to another government meeting on Tuesday. I can't wait. I'm going to the, a, ah. city of, a city of Fort Lauderdale meeting. Fantastic. Please don't tell me about it. Please don't tell me about it. <laughs>
All right, uh, right now, though, uh, we're going to do an interview. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming to Miami next year. The Dolphins will not be playing in it, uh, but there is still a lot to be, uh, a lot of joy to be had and a lot of uh, things to notice as the Super Bowl comes into our town for Super Bowl 54, the live Super Bowl. And, Ethan, we're going to be joined right now from someone from the Super Bowl committee. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Brian Bishop. So we want to get a jump on the Super Bowl that the Dolphins will not be playing in, but will be watching, and as will all the rest of us. We're about, I guess, 11 months out from Miami hosting another Super Bowl. And so we wanted to get into sort of what the early stage plans are there. Obviously, it's been a little while for this area. I've covered the last, I think, two uh, that were down here in Miami. Maybe it's three. Uh, and we're looking forward to it because uh, the timing of it is pretty damn good. We've got our new, our, our new sports network here, our new website. And then we're going to have a Super Bowl where we can feature all this content. So today we're going to talk to Brian Bishop. He's the vice president of sponsorships and marketing for Super Bowl 54. Of course, the Studio 54 Super Bowl. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. How are you? Ethan, Chris, thanks for having us on. Yeah. No, Ethan, I'm... Ethan, Ethan, uh, how do you call it the Studio 54 Super Bowl and not the Live Super Bowl? Well, what are you I talking know. about? No, I know. What are you I talking should. about? Because I'm old, man. Like, you're, you're <laughs> 26 and I'm 85. So, yeah, I, it, it's been a while since I've been to Live. I, I think the last time I was at Live, Eric Dampier was partying with the wrong team. Um, so, uh, I, I guess I should call Of course, it's, it's Live because it's L-I-V. Uh, in Roman numerals. But, Brian, I want to start here with you. So, last Super Bowl ends. Uh, Patriots, of course, you know, do what they do again. Uh, so, and then it sort of gets turned over to you guys as the next, uh, the next ho uh, hosts of the, of the Super Bowl here. What was, uh, like, uh, what was sort of that 24-hour period like and kind of what was the pivot to, okay, you know, we're, we're on deck now officially? Well, that's a good question. And for the record, there's 325 days, 11 hours, 32 minutes, and 26 seconds until kickoff for uh, Super Bowl 54 or LIV. I like either reference. Uh, but who, but who's counting? I also like them. Yeah, but who's counting? So we've been at this literally um, since we actually requested the opportunity to bid for the game uh, with the NFL in 2014. We made a presentation to the owners in, in 2016 in May. We were lucky enough to get the game. They gave us uh, Super Bowl LIV, which is also the 100th anniversary season celebration of the NFL. So you saw during the Super Bowl this year the um, Marshawn Lynch reaching for the football on the wedding cake and that whole um, commercial, one of the better commercials, in my opinion, uh, this year for the Super Bowl. Um, and that really kicked off the whole 100th season celebration. So Monday morning, 8.30, after a long night of partying in Atlanta with uh, our team partners and, and everybody there, it's you're, you're getting the ball from the Atlanta Host Committee and the commissioner of the NFL. We had uh, Miami-Dade County Mayor uh, Carlos Jimenez there, our chairman Rodney Barreto, a contingent, and uh, it's real. We're on the clock, and we're, uh, we've been planning, and we're ready to go. And I, I wanted to ask about the, the way that these bids work, because I, I'm not entirely certain what one city, other than, you know, in Miami, the Super Bowl will be held in 78 degrees and sunshine rather than in Minneapolis yeah. and in negative temperatures, <clears throat> and obviously it's a dome, but uh, it's just a nicer place to hold it. What goes into bidding for the Super Bowl and it would seem like Miami would have a fairly obvious advantage, but I guess my question would be, why don't why don't we win this every year? What what, what goes into the process for how Super Bowl hosts are determined? So you are now in charge of talking to the owners every single time uh, there's a bid process for the Super Bowl because we feel the same way. Quite honestly, it doesn't get any better than February and January than South Florida uh, for this. 
our hotel community, our restaurant community, our, our events mentality, public, uh, our public entities, so Miami-Dade County, Broward County, Palm Beach County, everybody gets it, right? And so pulling off a big event like this for the folks in Houston, nothing against them, Minneapolis, or even Atlanta, it's a one-off kind of thing, right? But for us, our infrastructure is set up to do this. So um, when we go to the NFL and we put in a bid, it's obviously the weather. It's obviously we have the hotel rooms. A big part of our growing um, demand is the luxury uh, hotel capacity that Miami has now compared to other cities. Um, and so from that standpoint, everything checks the boxes. Um, thankfully, Stephen Ross, in his ownership of the Dolphins, decided that it was time to kind of make over now Hard Rock Stadium. And that really has put us over the edge. It's a world-class facility. Um, we're going to have this Super Bowl as a result of his um, contributions to improving the stadium. And more than likely, we're going to get another one pretty quick after, um, after 2020. So the rotation will increase for Miami and South Florida. Yeah, and you mentioned South Florida and Miami, and that's something I wanted to hit on with you because it's a discussion we have all the time. Um, you know, we, we're, we're a South Florida-based network, which uh, to me really represents Broward and Dade and then a little Palm Beach thrown in. Um, and so, you know, we always have these internal debates on our string because we've got some guys who live in Dade and they won't come to Broward, and we've got some guys in Broward like myself who uh, prefer yep. not to always go to Dade. I'm just curious uh, for, for you because I remember the last Super Bowl – was very Broward centric compared to the, the previous one, from what I recall. Yep. I, I think that I remember it was uh, off, off 17th Street, you know, near Las Olas, in you know, in Fort Lauderdale, the Broward Convention Center was used yep. uh, for media as opposed to using uh, South Beach, which, which it typically I, I remember from a few years before. The reason I remember that so well is because because uh, Prince had <laughs> uh, Prince had a press conference and decided to play two songs instead of speaking to the media, which was pretty cool. But basically. Right. So I'm just curious, because this is always a balance. Dade and Broward people, even though, like, my friend here, Chris, lives basically on the line in Hallandale, yeah. are, are very territorial about all this stuff. How are you going to balance the two counties? So from, from that standpoint, we get great support from all three counties. Um, the NFL will really drive or kind of dictate how they want a particular Super Bowl to look and or feel. So not just unique to South Florida or Miami, but even with Houston, Minneapolis, Atlanta, they will say, from an infrastructure standpoint, here's how we want to craft this particular event. In 2010, it was a very different game and a very different event. There are two events that, that are really public-driven events, Super Bowl Experience, which will be at um, the Miami Beach Convention Center, and then something new for us, um, called Super Bowl Live, which is a big fan-centered event. It's basically a free fan festival um, that will be at Bayfront Park. Uh, it's to be gated, public security will be in place, but it's basically a place where everyone can come, touch and feel the Super Bowl. Wasn't even in existence in 2010. So the NFL looked at downtown Miami, how it's grown and changed. They looked at Bayfront Park and said there's no more picturesque place to showcase South Florida and the NFL's return to Miami than really taking Miami and making it a centerpiece. We'll still have events in Palm Beach County. Uh, we'll also have some events in uh, Broward County as well, but really it's a great time for us to be able to showcase um, how Miami has grown over the last 10 years and, and what it means to have a Super Bowl here. So we're really lucky. And I can't anticipate the Miami Dolphins participating in the game and probably continuing that record of uh, the host city not having uh, the, the, the home team play in the Super Bowl, but 
I guess so. My, my, my question off of that would be, if not uh, for a local interest in the team playing in the game, uh, what would an interest of the local community be in, in having the Super Bowl here? Obviously, it's great uh, for the business leaders of our community, but for just your average person that maybe uh, wants to be around this event, uh, how can they access it? So, like I mentioned just, just a minute ago, Super Bowl Live will be a great opportunity uh, for anyone who's in the region, whether you're traveling and visiting that time of year or whether you're a resident here. It's a week-long festival, starts the weekend before uh, the Super Bowl, runs the full week uh, of Super Bowl, and then um, if we play our cards right and we're working on this, we're, we're going to have a watch party for the game on that Sunday. Nothing's final yet. We're negotiating now with the league and also Fox from that standpoint. Uh, but that'll be a way for anyone and everyone to come and touch and feel the Super Bowl. And in Super Bowl Live, you'll have live music nightly, You'll have culinary activations. We're going to pair NFL players with Food Network chefs. You know, the Food, the food and Wine Festival is a few weeks after um, Super Bowl, so we're going to take advantage of that um, and do some fun tailgate uh, town culinary activations. And then global brands that are partnered with the NFL or strong local brands that are based here will have an opportunity to uh, set up shop in Super Bowl Live, do some fun, entertaining activations, but then also promote um, – uh, their goods and services alongside on the Super Bowl platform. From an economic impact standpoint, um, you know, that's another big part of what, why we do what we do. Um, we're looking at north of $350 million in terms of economic impact for the region. So to have a Super Bowl here is obviously great visibility. The impressions, how Miami plays, you know, on each uh, outtake of, of newscasts that week or sportscasts that week, it's invaluable to us as a tourism-based, you know, economy uh, to have that kind of coverage. So um, the other way that someone could touch and feel and be a part of the Super Bowl is the volunteer. Um, in 2010, we had a thousand volunteers and those folks helped us welcome people at each airport, port, helped people uh, at local hotels, whether it's find a restaurant, find a concert time, when a party was starting, you know, find a taxi cab at that time. And nowadays it's, you know, Uber or Lyft or rideshare. In 2020, um, we're going to need 10,000 volunteers. And so that effort has changed dramatically. That's an opportunity for anyone here, uh, aged 18 and older, to uh, be a part of helping the Super Bowl uh, come off without a hitch here in South Florida. So we're actually going to launch that application here in a few days. Um, you'll be able to see that on our social media sites. Go to our website, apply to be a volunteer, and then the process to do that is, you know, we interview you, we give you a great uh, Super Bowl LIV uniform, uh, and then, you know, give you an opportunity to work alongside um, us as we put off, put on Super Bowl 54. So I want to get into the, the stadium itself because you mentioned Steve Ross and, you know, obviously Chris mentioned, I, I think the odds of, of the Dolphins playing in this game, uh, they've always been long, but they're particularly long this time. Uh, and, but Steve Ross has made a contribution. Like you mentioned, the stadium uh, has been completely renovated. I, I think it looks great, to be honest. Uh, you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of stadiums around the country. Uh, I'm very impressed with the way that they put the thing together and, and improving the fan experience. And I, I do think that matters these days, particularly not just Super Bowl, but during the week when there's so many options for people in some place like South Florida. And then obviously you can sit home and watch your fantasy teams, you know, in your air conditioned uh, comfort of your house. And so to get people to the stadium, I, I do think it was necessary, but we've also got the tennis center going up as we're speaking here, or it's up and, and you're going to have the tennis tournament there this year. What, like, is there going to be anything around the stadium? Cause I know sometimes that's a complicated area. 
um, to, you know, to do a whole lot. But now that you do have the tennis center, uh, you know, obviously there's been renovations to the stadium. Is there going to be anything in sort of that area, you know, in proximity to, uh, you know, to, to the stadium, to Hard Rock? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, game day is obviously a big part of any Super Bowl Sunday no matter where you're at. So whether you're at home or you're hanging out with your buddies or in South Florida, you're on your boat and, you know, kind of chilling at the sandbar, game day is, you know, a big deal. For us at Hard Rock Stadium, it will be the center of most of the sanctioned and official tailgate parties. So the NFL will have a tailgate, or the Dolphins will have a tailgate, um, the, my, the host committee will actually have a tailgate, um, and we're looking at areas around the stadium, in the stadium footprint, or in close proximity at Hard Rock Resort. Um, there's a lot of great options there for us to do that type of thing. And, um, and we're very fortunate to have the footprints that we have within the city of Miami Gardens to be able to offer that. Another role that you know, we play as a host committee is, you know, so we help those that are from outside of the community find space to do certain things. So we'll get different requests from uh, various corporations that, or events companies that hold game day tailgates or parties and they'll say, hey guys, we need, you know, we need a location to do this. We need 10 acres or 15 acres, help us find a place. And at that point in time, you know, we spring into action and we put together a list of options for them to consider. And close proximity to the stadium, there's a lot of great options, believe it or not. So final thing here, and, and you know, again, we really appreciate you taking the time. And obviously we hopefully we talk more as we get a little bit um, closer to this. Is there one thing that you took from the past, let's, let's say the past couple Super Bowls, because I, I know, as you mentioned, Miami, if it was up to us too, we'd be down in Miami all the time, or certainly a warm weather city rather than, you know, no offense, but sending it to Minneapolis or Indianapolis or anything like that, you know, it's just never made a whole lot of sense to me in February, except for rewarding teams for, for new stadiums. But is there anything from the past? Can you give us like one thing from the past couple of Super Bowls that you're like, wow, that's a good idea. I didn't really think of that. Maybe we'll incorporate something like that, maybe more Miami centric than those particular cities, but something that the past couple of cities have done well. Well, I'll give you a little peek. So a little inside behind the curtain uh, peek, right? So, you know, every city does corporate hospitality a little differently, right? So the folks in Minnesota and Minneapolis had uh, an area called the Armory, right? And they converted that to basically a nightly concert or, or nightclub venue, right? And in Atlanta, um, there was the Tabernacle in different areas. So we're actually looking um, and planning off the shores of Bayfront Park on Biscayne Bay to set up a floating yacht village where whether it's through purchasing through the host committee uh, as a part of your ticket and hospitality package or if you're a, a billionaire that has a 110-foot yacht and you want to bring it to Miami and use that as a your corporate hospitality headquarters for the week, we're going to create an environment that can't be done anywhere else and take corporate hospitality and entertaining to a level that you can only do here whether it's, you know, whether it's January, February, any time of the year, this is what we do best. So we're going to take advantage of what we have. Absolutely, we should. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things I you know, I'm appreciative that it's coming back in part because I was commenting as I was covering another all-star game uh, about a month ago in Charlotte that like we never get the NBA all-star game, you know, because yeah. there, there's the boat show conflict and uh, all these sort of politics that have gone into it because the Heat didn't want it for years. And then the NBA hasn't really uh, sort of come around, back around to them. And so you're, you're talking more than 30 years now since one of the premier cities in the NBA has gotten an all-star game. And so it really is, you know, the Super Bowl. And, and so it is pretty cool 
that is coming back. Brian, we appreciate it. And, and certainly we want to talk to you in the future as we ramp this thing up a little bit. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe the Dolphins will be 14-2 and two with home field advantage. And we'll be talking about potentially them in the Super Bowl. But even if not, I know it'll be a great event. So, Brian, thanks for taking the time with us. Guys, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much.